Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I'm so glad you're done listening to Robin Steven this week. I'm John, my co-host is Andy, and we're continuing last week's theme of digging your own grave this week as we talk about Survivor Korong Episode 3. And Andy, I'm very, very excited that we'll get to unveil a new nickname for Debbie this week. Ooh, I'm very interested in what that could be. Oh, and I know what it is, and yes... It's a good one. You know, the good thing about having, you know, like a website and a comment section is you don't actually have to be that clever in your own podcast. You can just, you know, crowdsource that. Oh, I see. I was going to say steal content, but you went with the more PC word for it. It's all about uh, marketing, buddy. It's all about the message. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're uh, three episodes into this season and nobody has died yet. So, success! <laughs> Yeah, don't count your chickens before they're hatched, because the preview seems to indicate that we're not far off from it. Maybe not. Um, what do you think of the episode? I thought it was good. It's for an early season episode. We're three for three so far. I've I've liked every episode we've had, and it might have tipped its hand before we got to tribal council, but that was fine with me. It still set up a good story, and I enjoyed watching it. I thought it tipped its hand before we went to commercial break. The first one, you mean? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, uh, it, I think it just put the nail in the coffin before the final commercial break. Yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of the consensus that's going out there, that this has been good, and hey, low expectations, this season's been good. And I'm not disputing that this, this it was a fine episode. You know, it, was, it, um, it played beats that um, have been played frequently before, we'll discuss that a bit more, but you know, they're good beats. I will say, though, that I think, you know, within this episode... Maybe the preview for next week. It's starting to crystallize for me how this season might suck. Yeah, I I think you can definitely see some possibilities on the horizon of how this might all go down and not in a pleasant way. Yeah, I mean, I think what people are responding to, well, for one, just this episode specifically, it was a pretty glorious comeuppance edit. Um, and uh, that, that always is fun when people, you know, set themselves up to, you know, fall so far. Also, I think these first three episodes have been, you know, um, shocking in like an early, um, like preseason prediction type thing. Like, it, they've been true bracket busters for us in our fantasy game, huh? Yeah, the, the people that have gone home have generally been people that were chosen in fantasy leagues, people that were expected to do fairly well, and some of the traditional crowd that you would expect to go very, very early on is still in the game. Yeah, and I think people respond to that early, like, hey, it's exciting. It's not doing, it's not following the same script. And that's, that's just good when Survivor doesn't always follow the same script. But, you know, I do worry sometimes, and, and maybe this isn't the case with, like, a Liz or Jennifer. Maybe they just weren't good players, and certainly there's evidence to support that in both of their exits. But, um, you don't necessarily need a great, you know, pre-merge, pre-swap group of ep- uh, episodes, if that means that, you know, uh, the latter half of the season is going to be you know, filled with those people that maybe should be fodder. Right. You you basically don't want to pull the drama forward and then leave yourself with nothing for the end game. But you know that's probably too much concern trolling. Um, I have other you know concern trolling to do later. <laughs> but let's talk about this specifically because um. They, Peter and Liz just screwed it all up, like all over the place. It was a fascinating dumpster fire to watch and I loved it. Yeah, and like, I think that's what people were responding to and like, I mean, I was laughing and these were two people that I spoke highly of. In fact, I, they were like my one and two picks for winner. Uh, and I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and you know, the editors just, 
hung everything on them and they gave them so much rope to do with. So which uh, bandwagon did you jump off of faster, the Jennifer bandwagon or the Liz bandwagon? Well, clearly the Jennifer one, right? I'm just saying as the episode was unfolding last week versus this week, how soon did you jump off this week? Uh, yeah, much earlier, but because it was clear what the episode was doing. In fact, the only doubt that ended up creeping into my mind is like, okay, well, maybe it's Peter. But, like, the episode was not interested at all in suggesting that these two people would be successful in anything they tried. Uh, and, like, right down to the commercials that were shown over the weekend. Yeah, like, like, that's what I was saying. Like, before the first commercial break, it was like, okay, I see what's going here. And the only question is, will they lose? Yeah, I had seen the preview commercial where I think it was Peter saying something like, we're ready to chop some heads. And I went, oh, boy, this is not going to end well. Yeah, they're doing everything that you're not supposed to do. And honestly, like, yeah, not supposed to do. I'm sure, like, most people do these things. It's just the people that get voted out get it in the, you know, the edit. But, you know, oh, we're controlling this. Uh, we're the only two smart people. Those other people, they're pawns. Uh, and, yeah. It, like, every single one of those things. It's like, okay, well, bye now. And for me, maybe that's why I didn't enjoy the episode so much, is that I was able to check out, like, within the first ten minutes. Like, oh, okay, I see what's happening. And, like, whatever other drama was, you know, not that dramatic. Yeah, it was funny, too, that Probes just, obviously, he was tipped off to what was probably going to happen. And so he just laid it on extra thick by asking Peter some very leading questions. I just wonder how much he had to lead Peter. It felt like Peter was pretty excited to go where he was being taken. That's true. Uh, like, like, that's kind of, like, the tribal council was, you know, very interesting in in, in a train wreck sense, in a, and in a different train wreck sense than last week. Because, like, who does that? And I guess this is the part, before you have to ask for it, that I should just, you know, Congratulate you because you perfectly nailed Peter in the preseason. <laughs> well, yeah, don't go back and check all my other predictions, but he, like I said, gave off stereotypical ER doctor vibes and he certainly laid them on nice and thick in this episode. Dan, maybe that stereotype just doesn't like travel across the border. Maybe because they're like, oh, he's an ER, ER doctor. What do we all know about them? Well, yeah, you have know? socialized medicine. It's a very different system. Yeah, like they're not rock stars here. I guess. I mean, maybe they are. You know, uh, I have. I don't spend that much time in ER, and lately, <laughs> when I do, it's for children, and then they tend to be nice to those people. But um, yeah, it's like I don't know. They seem like they're nice people that help people. That's what an ER doc is in my country. But yeah, no, wow, uh, just just so much arrogance. And like, I'm a person that doesn't mind arrogance, but you know, Survivor is a game of people. Well, yeah, and the the arrogance is much better served in a confessional than in tribal councils surrounded by the rest of your tribe. Yeah, no, like when he just is all like, "It's not going to be yours," like Neil's like, "Wow, that is aggressive." Like, even if you're as confident as he was, and that sure that your plan's going together, y you kind of don't generally do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess at that point, you either think it's you or your plan is going to work, so you can just say whatever you want. It's kind of liberating, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's just, you know, he just laid it out there like there was no subterfuge that you would, you know, expect. And not even like an aggressive way of like, you know thinly veiled, you know, subtweets. Like, you know, he called out the names and, like, I, I don't think there, you know, man, there was a lot of confusion of who he was talking about when he was talking about ice cream pads. And it was just like, 
at the tribal council, I'm like, it's got to be Peter, just because, like, he looked so bad. Whereas Liz is, like, kind of clamping up a bit. So it's like, oh, okay, maybe they're switching it, but nope. Yeah, to her credit, I think at least Liz probably realized exactly how badly it was going at tribal council. Uh, I mean, for all we know, she might have had some hot takes that got left on the editing room floor there. and But I don't think they would have, you know, because like, she, she got the boot, you know. They would have wanted to make her look bad, too. That's true. But from what we saw, she sort of sat by while Peter was just throwing himself out there and making himself look worse and worse with each new soundbite he gave. Yeah. And beyond, like, all of the arrogance they displayed throughout the episode, just, you know, laying on thick enough that, you know, we're all like, ha, 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 oh, it'll be great when they get booted. Um, like, they just made some, like, critical errors in gameplay. Yeah, and the first one was actually kind of surprising because I almost agreed with Peter that, you know, Debbie is the easy choice to bring along as a goat because Debbie's just a caricature. It just seems like the, the right role for her, but it turns out she's a caricature with ideas and she's not as willing a loyal goat as Peter hoped she was. I don't think that that's a huge miscalculation because I might have made the exact same one. Um, but it might have also been a miscalculation because he didn't spend a lot of time talking to her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's two things. I totally understand why you would assume this person is a ridiculous human because she presents herself as a ridiculous human. Right. Like, yeah, I don't know if that's a sign of, you know, blind arrogance, but at the same time, we also have no indication that he nurtured a relationship in order through which that you can have your own coat. Yeah, everybody gets these visions of, like, Boston Rob and Philip, and, like, Boston Rob put in the effing work, people. Also, you know, he was a four-time survivor at that point. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, he was with Philip frequently. He was reassuring him. He was giving Philip what he needed. He wasn't just like, ah, that person's dumb, and it'll be great to get to the end. And then, well, I guess I'll tell her what to do later. But... More than that, I just, like, it played too fast, too hard. Like, this, the whole idea that Neil, we have to get rid of Neil now because he might flip on us in the final seven. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, as always, post-merge game pre-merge is not a good look. But, I mean, they had to make some call there. Do you think it was that bad to try to make the move now rather than just taking the easy shot at Debbie or Joe? Well, I mean, the meaning Peter and Liz seem, taking that. Shot. I know. I'm just saying the result would seem to suggest it wasn't very <laughs> successful. Um, now, I mean, the question I have is: Was there any result, or had these two people isolated themselves so much that it wasn't going to work? Um, the reason why I think that, like, maybe you should just let things ride and take out, you know, Joe or Debbie, is that. I didn't get a sense, and this is just from the episode, and who knows how it really went down, that the idea to move against Peter and Liz was, you know, Aubrey and Niels. No, and that was the the odd thing, again, because Debbie seems like a caricature, but it seemed like it was her idea to move on Liz. Yeah, so by entrusting that level of knowledge to two people who you have not cultivated a true relationship with, you open yourself up for attack. And that's what happened, whereas if it's just like, hey, you know, remember that we've been talking about this whole time of getting rid of Debbie? Let's do that, and that's just easier. And I think, you know, we always talk about pre-merge, post-merge, but what, what it really boils down to, and, you know, future survivors take note, although I don't think future survivors listen to the show, it's only current survivors wanting to hear about themselves, <laughs> um, but... 
You cannot win Survivor in the first 15 days. You can only lose Survivor in the first 15 days. So what you need to do in that part phase is not so much set yourself up for the win, you know, way, way down the road, is make sure you ain't going to lose. And, you know, making a risky ploy for somebody like Neil and can blow up in, at you in a way that I don't think making a play for Debbie does. Making a play for Neil only reinforces the arrogance that everybody feels that you have. Right. Also, did you feel like luck factored into this? Because if they had lost the challenge last week versus this week, I feel like they maybe just go with Joe or Debbie here. Yeah, no, I actually had that exact thought. And it just shows just how random Survivor can be. And we try to apply as much rules and thought to it. But yeah, I mean, if Three, three seconds more, and the Bron tribe's decimated, and they don't go to tribal council. But yeah, I think they they had enough time to fester within that group to the point where it was three groups of two. Like that's just weird. Yeah, that's pretty atypical. I think. Like usually majorities form, but it looked like that didn't form until you know one group made a move and Debbie saw the opening and ran with it. Yeah, and I think the pivot there is probably Debbie and Aubrey, which is. So weird. And that was another odd thing is that it was Debbie and Aubrey calling the shots, which is not something you generally see on Survivor. Although we're also getting Anna calling the shots in the beauty tribe. It's like the ladies are dominating this season other than on Braun. That's right. Although there's a lady on that tribe we'll be talking about. Um, yeah. And I mean, good on them. Uh, you know, good on Debbie. Uh, like as a gameplay, you know, move, I think she deserves all the credit. If it wasn't all of hers, that's what the edit says. So, you know, I don't care what the truth is. Uh, Survivor clearly wants us to think that, so we should give her that credit. Um, but, as I've alluded to in comments, I don't know how excited I'm going to be for the season of Debbie. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. This could go horribly wrong for her at any moment. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I do think that that was a critical... Critical calculation for miscalculation for Peter and Liz, but just from the sense that like like the way people felt about them, it might not have mattered. Maybe if they would have just went to Neil and Aubrey and it's like, hey, let's do that thing. Maybe they still would have been screwed because you know people didn't like them because you know they were arrogant. I mean, like I don't want to put the fault off of Peter and Liz. They screwed up socially, and yeah, if you know you're voted out basically because people don't like you, that's really bad. Yeah, I mean. In certain cases, though, I don't know that there's much you can do to correct that. You know, some yeah. people just are never going to like you. And this was something I think I predicted in the uh, cast preview for this season. If Peter can't rein in that arrogance, it's going to shine through and that might rub people the wrong way. And then Liz just didn't strike me as the social butterfly type, um, partly because she's just really freaking smart. And she might have trouble slumming it with the less intellectual crowd. In this case, they at least had some people that might have been willing to work with them in Neil and Aubrey. And they lost them. And they blew it. Yes. Yeah, and that's the fault. And whether, like, you know, it had turned to the point where now they had to move against, well, then you take, you share your part of the blame of it having turned there. Like, you had four people that seemed to be in a proto-alliance early on, 
nurture that. Don't just, you know, like, hey, Peter gets me more and I'm going to go talk to him more. Yeah, I don't doubt that Neil and Aubrey have a little bit more in common, but that's fine. doesn't mean you can't be in Alliance of Four. Like, it just should have been so simple. And, of course, they overthought it because they were the Brains Tribe. And we have been talking a couple. was like, what happened to a Brains Tribe? Now, it looks like uh, the dysfunctional Brain Tribe was there all the time. They just needed to lose. They just needed to get some more airtime is, is what needed to happen. Uh, so, like, I don't fault them for wanting to vote out Peter and Liz. Clearly, they had set themselves above everyone else, and who needs that? But, like, should they have voted out Liz? Was that the right move? Uh, I think, again, it was Debbie's call. And if you're Neil and Aubrey, you let Debbie and Joe call the shot because you need their two votes. It is really weird that it broke down as a 2-2-2 block situation. But still, you've got to make a coalition somewhere. And if, you know, what they want to be in your coalition is the right to take out Liz, then sure, let them take out Liz. Yeah, see, I think it was a mistake. Not like a huge mistake, but like, it, they should have taken out Peter. Uh, and my, and my girl Aubrey, she was the one that called that. Uh, because like, the, that, the, he seemed to be the one most of them were complaining about. Debbie seemed to really not like Liz. But the rest were like, ah, Peter's arrogant. Like, I don't like the way he treats me. I don't like the way he condescends to me. And then seemed to be the decisions, like, well, we need him for challenges. And to that, I say, no, you don't. Because what's going to happen is if he's good at challenges, that means he stays in the game. Like, you need to get rid of this guy. And I think Aubrey played it really well, too, because... I got the sense that she was sort of sending out feelers with Debbie. You know, oh, wow, is is Peter just against us? Because we're women trying to, like, plant that seed. Like, oh, yeah, are you against Peter? Is that who you want to take out? Just to try to steer her away from Liz without being too aggressive about it. I thought that was a good move. But again, if she's not going to relent, let her take Liz. I, I do think you're right, though. Aubrey sort of made that hint that this might come back to haunt them because she said, you know, if we take Peter too far, he might come back and screw us. And there's a decent likelihood that that could happen now. Yeah, and like, it's all well and fine. It's like, oh, they had to let Debbie have their way. It's like, well, do you? Do you really need to hand your future of this game over to Debbie? Because, you know, I know, and they don't know this, they didn't get to see the season, it hadn't yet happened in time, but they basically, you know, last season, they let Abby Maria have her way, and that didn't work out well for anybody who did that, you know? And, like, what I see is, Taking out Liz and trying to just keep Peter around for, you know, tribe strength, that's a half measure. And that's a mistake. Because I think Liz probably would have been a little more agreeable. Like, she would have taken the lesson to heart, like the scare that she just got, and maybe been willing to work with them. I don't think Peter will be. Or, if Liz isn't, voting out Peter made you weaker, and thus you'll probably lose a challenge and you can vote out Liz. But, like, if the idea is we need Peter to win challenges, I don't think you want to win the next challenge. Right. Because then you got Peter, and then you got swaps, and now you got Peter looking for people to screw you over. Because if you didn't think that's going to you know, as vindictive as he's going to be before you got to Tribal Council, I got to figure that maybe there was a few clues sent out during Tribal Council. Right, and that was sort of what I'm getting at, is that there's probably a swap coming fairly soon. And, you know, this will actually come up when we talk about Braun, too. You may not want to win the next challenge anyway. So, might not have been a bad idea to take Peter out first. So, I kind of danced around this. You know, I think what people were responding to a lot this episode was, you know, another good come up inside. It wasn't as good as, say... Drew Christie. Yeah, Drewsbag. Uh, Because that's, you know, the 
the ultimate. Certainly wasn't like on a Fiji level or anything like that. But you know, it was good. Like, you know, Liz and Peter did a lot to make us think like, ah, oh, it'll be fun watching these, you know, conceited people take their hits. But is it like just too much of a formula of a survivor? Like, did they just do the same thing? Like, I don't know. I felt like it wasn't as fun as it should have been. With the earliest boots, you don't have a lot of time to tell a story yeah. usually. So I, I think it's probably just partly convenience. And I do wonder how many of those Neil sound bites, or I'm sorry, the, uh, Peter sound bites they had set up by asking him some leading questions in those confessional interviews because he really did just pour it on thick. And I don't know if that's just naturally what flows from his mouth or if, you know, he was just responding to what he was being asked. Yeah, like, do you guys have really great smiles? Yes, we have the best smiles. That's right. weird that you asked me that. Yeah, that just uh, seemed to come out of left field. Like, yeah, Liz and I are pretty and we smile really well. Like, wait, wait why are you telling us that? How did that come up? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that's a good point of that. I just, I feel like it's gotten to the point that, like, as soon as anybody on this show shows, like, the slightest bit of self-confidence, everybody's like, oh, oh they're gonna go, they're too cocky, ha ha ha, it's gonna be another come up at said it. And maybe that's just what we do as fans. And, you know, when it works, like, it did, like, people were picking up with Liz, Liz from, like, the first episode on, or, um, you know, Andrew Savage last season, then it's like, ah, see, it's self-proving point. But maybe when it's Jeremy saying that Stephen will be, you know, his uh, JT, we just ignore that, that you know, evidence. But I just worry, like, it's always like, you, you have to be the most humble to survive and survivor now, or the editors will get you. To the point where, like, Tyson can't be Tyson in the season that he wins. Right, and and like you said, probably all of these people at one point or another are going to have some sort of very arrogant, awful-sounding confessional. Uh, and again, you can always steer the people to those sorts of confessionals anyway so that you have it if you want to use it. But, like, I almost feel like they need to uh, course correct. Like, we've become so uh, hip to the comeuppance thing to the point where, yeah, like, this, the episode was drama-free for me after that first uh, uh, you know, segment. That maybe they need, like, the cockiest person and just present them and have that person win. And everyone would hate it but me. I mean, I feel like Tony was probably that person. I just don't think they laid it on as thick as they probably could have. Right, and that was probably enough that people were like, that guy could never win. Yep. But I also felt like, yeah, he was always talking about the like the things he was doing, the moves he was doing, but he was never like, ah, these people are stupid and I'm the greatest. As And maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah, I think he did that once or twice, but it wasn't like a constant hammered home point. Yeah. And, you know, the season where, you know, a super cocky guy, you know, put it out there for the whole season, but how much you've dominated over these people, that was probably Redemption Island and everybody hates that one. <laughs> Good point. Except for me, because I like arrogance, apparently. All right. So, uh, like I said, we now have a better sense of the brain tribe because they finally had some stakes. Um, so how, how do we feel about them? It was nice to finally get some sort of sense of who they are. Uh, I thought, like I said, Aubrey did really well. Um, I like how well she worked with the insanity that is Debbie. Um, Debbie was surprising in that, man, she is a cringe-worthy character. She had that weird confessional where she laughs at herself and puts her head down, and then she comes up, and she's just totally, like, stone-faced, and then delivers a straight man line, and it was so weird. Yeah, or, like, when she's talking about, like, her, I don't know, army talk or whatever. She's just bizarre. I mean, I don't know that she's the female coach, because 
that guy in token teens at least was just so far up his own butt it was just amazing and i don't think you can ever necessarily reach those heights again but she's not bad so far she's at least entertainingly tolerable um neil and joe i thought did pretty well and joe i thought played tribal council particularly well what did you think uh I probably wasn't even paying attention. At yeah, that you, point. you'd already figured out the result, but and I as had I. I was waiting for Peter to say another stupid thing and yeah, just let him talk for five minutes straight. Uh, Joe did a good job, I think. He just he let didn't let on about what the actual plan was. Uh, he was just sitting off in the corner, smiling, knowing what was about to happen anyway. Uh, and then obviously Neil did well to save himself because he and Aubrey were going to be the targets. Uh, yeah, so, like, kind of what I was getting at, how, like, this was a per, yeah, it was a good episode, and the first two were also good, maybe very good. Uh, but I feel like it was a harbinger of maybe not goodness to come. It's that, like, I don't really like these people. <laughs> like, I, they aren't, they aren't interesting to me, and this is, uh, obviously this can sound like the sourest of grapes, because I don't know, I had some, like, mini crush on Liz, but, like, I didn't like her by the end of the episode, right? So, Joe, I think it's just, like, a cranky old man. Like, I don't think there's anything compelling about him otherwise. And I bet his day-to-day life, he's not. But, you know, they have a hard life out there. And I imagine it might be even harder if you're 72. You know what, though? Borneo has proven that cranky old men can grow on you. I was never in the Rudy camp. Ever. That makes I one never of us. liked him. Never. I totally I fell for it. I was in love with Rudy by the end of that season. Yeah, no, I, I I was, you know, toggy all the way. So, uh, and then, yeah, Debbie, like, yeah, I'll give her credit for the move, but I don't want to watch the season of Debbie Weiner. She's just going to eat up so much screen time with all of her confessionals that I hate. Well, this is a great time to unveil the nickname for her that M and Scout and BK, one of our commenters, she came up with Waterfelon. Perfect. They, she said that they should put that up as uh, Debbie's Chiron for her job title. And Waterfelon works perfectly. Nice wordplay there. Also plays on the fact that she is a uh, indicted former water safety manager. I love everything about it. Uh, and, like, Neil, he might be fine, uh, except that, like, the show doesn't seem particularly interested in him. Yeah. He was suggested as a target and no move that was made last episode was ascribed to him. So it's like, right at this point, and I agree, actually, I thought he played Tribal Council well. I, I kind of liked how he trolled Peter. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but how absent he was in the me- plot mechanics of the episode suggests to me that he's not worth getting invested in. So uh, the odd thing I have to say is that... Um, Aubrey is my favorite member of the Brains Tribe. <laughs> uh, you know, what's weird is I was expecting more fun goofiness from Aubrey, and I'm just not getting it. She's fine, and I think she played well, but I haven't enjoyed it yet. You know, she's not giving me the entertainment along with her solid gameplay. Yeah, so you kind of started to mention that in our chats. I'm like, oh, God, we have to talk about it because this is perfect. <laughs> because the reason why I'm coming around on Aubrey after being so low on her in the preseason is she's not doing any of that stupid crap that I couldn't care for from the preseason. Yep. She is, you know, a normal person who seems to be playing Survivor well. She talks to the camera and she seems like a, you know, 
somebody that I could talk to instead of all this twee Harry Potter crap. And, you know, I know I egg on Harry Potter fans all the time. It's not about the Harry Potter stuff. It's the, hey, look at me, I got my wand, I'm going to do the coconut phone and all this stuff. No, that's not interesting to me. But she seems like the person who has it most together there, and thus, I like her best. I want Team Aubrey. Wow, what an amazing turn of events. Hey, we're people that can change our opinion based on more things. You want her to be the dancing sprite fairy of, you know, because you become that kind of person, weirdly. I, I want her to be good at Survivor. I was always that person. I was disappointed when uh, Tyson went straight man in Blood vs. Water. It is why you hate Cook Islands and all the game bots that ruled it, right? Yule is a special exception and is a beautiful man. But, like, I think the reason why I'm out on them is, like... So I'm out on the rest of them. I'm out on, like, almost the entire Braun tribe, too. Like, it's just, it's like, this could be a season of a lot of miserable people suffering. Woo-hoo-hoo! That's the, <laughs> like, that's what I got out of this episode in the preview. Um, but with this episode specifically in the Brains tribe is I think after this, after, you know, Luzon and Kagiyan, after the White Collar tribe and Worlds Apart, I think we now have definitive proof that, like, smart people just can't get along with each other. They're just the worst. I don't know how many of the people in this tribe are necessarily the smart people, though. I was thinking that, too. Like, yeah, it seemed to be rather oddly anti-intellectual for a brains tribe. Yes. (laughs) Joe might be a smart man, but he's not an intellectual type. Debbie has a lot of jobs. That doesn't necessarily mean she's smart. That might just mean she can't hold a job. Aubrey wears glasses, but, you know, she's a social media manager. Right, and we all know the people that work in marketing are not necessarily the smartest types. I know more than most. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Neil's, you know, it seems like a bright guy, but, you know, he's also just like kind of like a kooky, you know, free spirit type. Like, this isn't like, you know, a, a normal brain tribe. Normal being the one other time we've got yeah. one. <laughs> uh, that huge sample size of one. And it's like, that's permeating through the season. Like, the the beauty tribe is the most, you know, together and practical of the bunch. The brawn tribe doesn't seem particularly strong. Like, uh, maybe everything would just be better and I wouldn't be having this disconnect if they didn't put these phony titles on them. Yeah, they should just call them yellow versus red versus blue. The primary color season. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it seems like the brains people just, just they, they, they struggle to, you know, get along. Everybody just has to outsmart the other one. Because, like, Worlds Apart, as awful as that season was, the the concentrated bickering awfulness was, like, born in the White Collar Tribe. Yeah, although, how much of that was the edit playing it up? Because the No Collar Tribe had their bickering, too. It was just presented in a different way. Yeah, and then the Braun Tribe had, like, Lindsay and Rodney. Man, those people just sucked. Yeah, that was a terrible season. Anyway, so speaking of other tribes, let's move on to the Braun tribe because th- there was some interesting stuff going on there this week. Was it? I-, I mean, interesting in the sense that Alicia's just continued ineptitude is just fascinating to watch. I am almost won over with Alicia to the point where I wrote down her name phonetically so I might actually pronounce it correctly tonight. Uh... I don't know, she's like Charlie Brown with the football. I don't know, there's just something oddly pathetic but endearing and like, you know, she's got like this go-get-em attitude but she can't get them. Uh, <laughs> well, and here's why Survivor is 
editing slash production is so good. I said in the preseason preview, like something about Alicia just drives me insane. Just from a two minute video of her, I was like, no, she reminds me of so many people in my real life that I cannot stand. And because of the magic of the survivor edit, I'm now sympathetic towards her, even though I could not possibly stand to talk to her in real life. I'm like, oh, she's the underdog now. I'm kind of rooting for her. Yeah, and, like, it helps uh for that feeling, not so much for, you know, my feelings towards the season, that, you know, she's up against some people that are being, like, really aggressively awful to her. <laughs> it's like, you know, she's not good, but you don't need to do that. And that's kind of what was symbolic. Like, that, that seemed to be the thing that leapt out at me with the whole idol situation. Yeah, and I think one person in particular is really bearing the brunt of all that aggressive awfulness towards her. Yeah, I mean, and also it probably just is one person, but as we've seen in seasons past, if you let that person off the leash and you let the person do it, then that's what's happening, and that's the tenor of what's going on, you know? So in Russell's seasons, it was Russell, you know? In other seasons, it was, you know, Will or whatever. And by signing off on it, you catch a little bit of that stink, too. Right. The one thing I wonder is, did you see, because I tried to slow it down and see if I could tell, it looked like Jason just straight up shoved Alicia out of the way when he was running for the key. Yeah, it's like, I I think a lot of people were saying this, it seemed more like that in like the commercials, that angle, it was tough. Yeah. Uh, of this, I'm of two minds. I'll say like, you know, to Jason's point, this is Survivor, you got, you know, Get the idol if you can get it. It wasn't a full-on tackle. It was more probably like a shoulder jump, like, you know, two people going for it and he used the strength. And I get that. But it also sim- symbolizes the complete lack of social grace that he has with people he doesn't like. And that's not indicative of somebody who will do well in a game that kind of requires people to like you. Right. And I think what's funny is he's sort of winning the battle and losing the war here because... Yes, he acquires the idol by doing that. But at the same time, now they really, really need to lose a challenge to get Alicia out because the very first thing Alicia will do when the tribes get swapped is say, oh, hey, by the way, just so you all know, Jason has an immunity idol and I'm very willing to vote against him. Exactly, exactly. Uh And like, was he over the line? I'd say no, he was close to it. But... Like that, don't get close to the line. This is a social freaking game. And that's just how, like, everything about him, the way he speaks, the confessionals he gives, his body language is, I am the king and you are nothing. And I don't know if we have a long history of people being rewarded for that. Actually, I'm, you know, being sarcastic. We have a long history of people not being rewarded. Right. <laughs> a long history of those people getting their comeuppance. Yeah. And that'll be the comeuppance edit that I will love. I'm not convinced we're getting it, but I'm also con- fairly convinced there's like I ain't winning. Yeah, uh, it's not looking good for him right now. So we talked a bit about last week about how, you know, all the rigmarole they put behind the idol thing. And we got to see two variations of it this week. Um, was it entertaining? Well, was it, mo- was it more entertaining than your typical idol hunt? I think the problem is for me, it just raised a whole lot of questions in that I just kept thinking of alternate ways they could have handled it for instance with alicia once jason goes to get that key 
could she not have just run back and grabbed the idol box and <laughs> chucked it into the ocean or something? And apparently the answer to that, by the way, is no, there was a rule against that. But various other things too, like why did they necessarily have to use the stick? Could they have not just thrown a coconut up there and knocked down the key? And the answer to that seems to be, yeah, because none of them used the tool. Right. So it's kind of like, yeah, we'll help. This is a way you could do it, but, you know, we're not opposed to you finding other ways. Yeah, and I like when Survivor operates a little more freeform like that. Yeah, agreed. I'll say that it's just, and this could just be the way this particular situation played out, but, like, uh, you know, everybody's excited. Everybody, I I always do this. Not everybody. (laughs) There are people who lament frequently on how easy it is to find idols and how uninteresting that is. So they were, they're excited when Survivor makes it harder, but didn't making it harder this time just mean that the people that could physically exert their dominance were able to achieve it? Well, I don't know that, uh, Ty necessarily showed dominance physically. Exactly. You just totally proved me wrong. But it's like, (laughs) it opens that up. But yeah, I mean, the other flip side of that is maybe Elisa just don't tell somebody when you just found an idol when you're clearly the person who needs it the most. Oh man. What a terrible misread. Again, she's not good at Survivor either. She's just as bad at Survivor as Jason is. Well, in different ways. But respect her as a human, because if you don't, we actually had evidence in this episode of what can happen to you. Because, you know, Debbie could achieve power and get rid of you. And that could happen. And, yeah, I I think, honestly, before, you know, beyond, you know, social etiquette or anything like that, what puts me off about it is it just feels so stupid. Why are you doing this? If you want to win Survivor, stop making people feel that they hate you. Speaking of being put off, just the suggestion of an Alicia-Debbie alliance that sort of you hinted around right there that put me off like if, if the season's going downhill that's how yeah if you want those it's like hey also i'm like i read jason oh now we have to watch alicia and debbie <laughs> right like, yeah and that could certainly happen uh but yeah i don't know i i don't know if it was any more interesting than say kagi on a bunch of people digging in different locations like the manic energy is exciting but in many ways, there wasn't a lot of that in this scenario because everybody was just like at the same places at the same time. And then it just took the guy with, you know, the biggest bully on the block to get what he wanted. Yeah. Um, but we should also talk about the, the one who I thought actually played the best from this tribe, which, you know, low bar. Um, Sydney, I thought she played the mingling with Alicia really smoothly. And I, you know, she was hoping to get the idol for herself, but I think when Jason showed up, she just perfectly transitioned and said, you know what? I have to tell Jason and Scott about this because that's the safer move. And she just like, she just switched her plans on the fly seamlessly. And I thought she did a great job. I thought Sydney had the best episode of anyone last night. Uh, we hadn't really gotten much of anything of her in the first two episodes. Uh, it's a mistake, obviously, to overreact to that two episodes, but it is a little bit more telling when the person is on the tribe that's losing. But right. we got what we needed. And, yeah, I know exactly what you said. Uh, great social plays on both parts. Uh, everybody there feels like she's in with them, and she only reinforced those ideas. I mean, it's possible Alicia might be a little suspicious and she you know voiced that but i think you could probably paper over that pretty quickly uh at the very least uh you're going to be the person that she dislikes the the least uh, right. in that group uh because yeah scott voted for her and jason refuses to call her by her name 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, Sydney played it well, and I think it bodes well for her in, uh, you know, future situations, swap, merge, uh, anything like that. Yeah, and I actually don't, I don't think Scott's played so badly. I think it's partly guilt by association that he's seemingly in lockstep with Jason. Yeah, but that guilt happens. Uh, yep. Somebody just got voted out for by guilt by association. So, yeah. you know, if you decided to partner off with an awful person, don't be surprised if people think you're awful. So maybe, you know, don't do that. And, you know, maybe, you know, he might have had, um, less selection. It is a tribe of six, but, you know, nobody said you had to vote off, uh, you know, Darnell. Darnell. Uh, I know he wanted to save Jennifer, but if he actually had power instead of Jason clearly being the one who's being allowed to exercise all the power, he might have been able to save Jennifer. I don't know if she would have needed to twist the arms of Alicia and uh, Sydney to do that, but he's decided he's going to roll with Jason. I think they like each other. Uh, you know, all this stuff we say about Jason, you know, not being nice, it's clearly he's reserving it all for Alicia. Yeah. Hey, we should move on to. Possibly the most functional tribe we've seen in years. The beauty tribe. Yeah, and it's obviously so easy to look functional when you don't lose. Yes. Uh, but, like, is there any reason to think that the winner isn't one of those six people and for real five of those six people? It's hard to necessarily say, like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to get the winner because it's, it's so early. Yeah, swaps and merges and all of that and medical evacuations. Right. And really we've only seen Three characters get developed on that tribe, and it's Ty, Caleb, and to some degree, Anna. I mean, we've at least seen Anna talking strategy. Um, Michelle was my preseason winner pick, and I think there's still plenty of time for her to emerge, but she doesn't really have a story yet. Julia, I don't think we'll probably ever get much of one. But at the same time, there's at least the possibility that these people are going to get to the end. I don't know about win. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I think it's more likely than not the winners on that tribe is that they haven't done much to make us think highly of the people on the other tribes. <laughs> and like, uh, you know, they seem to want us to like these people. And maybe it's that kind of season where like there isn't a superlative winner. And I, by that, I don't mean like the Probstian um, man. He man. Uh, um, but just like, you know, hey, this person we liked, let's vote for them because other people we didn't. Perfectly, you know, uh, acceptable way of winning Survivor, but not necessarily interesting. Uh, and again, that's kind of one of the red flags. And I don't know why I'm being so negative. Why am I being negative, John? I don't know. But you know what is a big red flag? Nick calling himself an emotionless robot. Because as an emotionless robot myself, I am offended that he's trying to lump himself in with our crowd. That's right. Don't give us a bad uh, name. Um, they're... So far, you seem to have gotten him too, uh, in the preseason. I, you know, I went one of two ways on Nick. It's like, hey, he might be a jerk who can win being a jerk. And it turns out, uh, not so much. People are seeing right through him. And I, I, yeah. Funny to say about somebody who's not getting many confessionals, but it seems like he's all talk. Yeah. <laughs> he's all talk and none of it makes the air. Yeah. Cause it's all, oh, I listen better than anybody and I'll, you know, trick everybody. And everybody's like, that dude, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the only one I can't trust. He seems really fake. Yes, he does. Yeah, but other than that, what we're getting out of the beauty tribe is, hey, aren't these people swell? Yeah. Uh, and sure, they seem it. Uh, what's interesting is at least two of them, we've had indications from other people that maybe not so much. Uh, but we're not getting that in the actual you know, show, which makes me think that 
one of them might win this season. And, you know, that could be okay. That could be fine. But I want something compelling, man. Where's my game bot? Yeah, like I said, there's definitely still some stories to be developed in this tribe. So many, so many stories. And we'll see, you know, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the head. Well, you know, let's not let's not skip ahead to our uh, medevac scenarios. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than like you know them killing chickens and being you know, sensitive enough about it, and them not liking Nick, is there really much else to talk about? I was surprised last week that the Ty and Caleb thing went off as well as it did, but I was surprised even with that knowledge of last week. I was surprised exactly how empathetic. Caleb was with Ty like crying about killing the chicken this week. Did not see that coming. No, I totally expected his whole like, oh, we can't kill the bees or the anything like to eventually be like, uh, enough, dude, we're hungry. But I mean, I think, you know, to Ty's credit, he's like, yeah, I don't feel good about it, but we're going to do this. We need to eat. Circle of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, how sensitive and not put off at all by that, that uh, Caleb and the others were. And I think it just goes to show that they enjoy each other's company. And, hey, look at that. They're doing well. Yep. Crazy. Uh, I wonder if those two things are correlated. Who knows? It's really hard to tell. Yeah. Um, You want to do our own wacky evacuation scenarios before we guess the actual ones? Yeah. So it uh, sounds like next week is actually going to be very dramatic and possibly scary. And uh, hopefully everybody's okay. No long-lasting repercussions. Uh, we don't want to talk about that stuff. We want to talk about stupid stuff. Uh, so last week, uh, you won the battle. Uh, your scenario that, uh, Caleb's newfound humanity would lead him down the path of, uh, turning gay and getting married and thus being smoten by smashing heads. Is that uh, a fair assessment? Yeah, you're, you're close enough. Yeah. Uh, so that puts us at 1-1. And, um, I guess that means I will go first this time. Sure. Or no, we, we uh, loser goes last. Oh, okay. So then I'm, I'm leading off this time? That's right. Okay. So my scenario this week is we're on the Brains Tribe. Neil catches okay. a fish. Neil gives it to Joe, and Joe starts eating it, and then he starts swelling up like mad. His face is swelling up. He's breaking out in hives. He's blowing up like a balloon. And he asks Neil what kind of fish it was, and Neil says, it was a red herring. And then they turn and see that Debbie has collapsed from drinking tainted water. Boom! Debbie gets evacuated. <laughs> and Joe's Joe's fine. Very nice. <laughs> I, I I like that very much. I, I like the the I like the blocking of the scene that you put together. Thank you, thank you. All right, uh, mine is um, maybe a little obvious, but because you know these are all obvious. It, the clues are there. They're happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, henpacked. Whatever you're gonna do, but um. There are people out there that believe that the idea of injecting yourself with, you know, medicine to ward off oh, no. other diseases is just hokum. That just is, it's just dangerous. It's not worth it. And, um, it appears that one of those people are on the season. But the interesting part about that is when you travel to other parts of the world, like say places that Survivor films at, you are supposed to get vaccines to protect yourself from diseases that are, you know, common to the area that you might not have immunities for, or maybe nobody has immunities for, but mm-hmm. you don't have yourself because you don't grow up in that area. So it's odd to suddenly, you know, take an anti-vaccination stand if you should have just 
taken a bunch of vaccines to travel and compete in a reality show. I, I think you're supposed to before you can enter Cambodia, and I imagine Survivor wants you, but maybe they think to themselves, we really want this hot poker player on our season, so we'll just look the other way if she doesn't do her vaccines. Or, and this is another thought, maybe in that dark internet that people where they do their quote-unquote research mm-hmm. about vaccines, and, you know, I don't think any of that research involves opening a medical journal, but they do that research about all the evil chemicals going into their bodies, maybe there's a way that you can falsify medical information to say that you got the vaccines rather than risking, you know, autism or whatever uh, they're saying this week. So she didn't get it, and I'm saying that Anna has to be evacuated because uh, she catches Japanese encephalitis. Oh my goodness. What a horrifying scenario. And you'd think that, you know, doing such a thing would make you come back and like not, you know, tweet out, you know, questionable facts about vaccines. You're like, oh my God, I just almost lost my life to such a thing. But maybe it's the reverse. And if you survive it and you get medical treatment, then it's just like, see, that's just what they want you to think. Think people. We don't need vaccines. I survived. Exactly. Uh, they, you can just go to a doctor in the highly unlikely uh, uh, you know, case that you will get such a thing from the mosquitoes that are rampant everywhere. So instead, we should, you know, not worry about children dying of measles. So that's my scenario that, um, you know, an unvaccinated Anna catches Japanese encephalitis. All right. Uh, I don't know that we should do actual predictions for this week um, because... As we've mentioned, there seems to be a pretty clear evacuation taking place. Well, actually, here's what we'll do. Uh, let's save it off the podcast altogether because, you know, it's a medium that's hard to ignore things. But uh, we will be doing our regular predictions post and poll. And I imagine a lot of people who will be making their predictions, uh, like John, have been supporting all of the footage that we've been getting, looking at the stills, trying to piece out to get that information. I like how you verbed Zapruder there. That was good. Uh, if you're if you're not interested in that sort of thing, and I respect that choice, don't click on that post. Uh, because uh, even if we weren't doing it, I haven't done that because uh, I can't look at like videos on CBS.com or anything like that. And I just watched it once last night. But I still have a guess based on edit. So people will have done that. You might see the poll leader is based on what people assumed based on, you know, their detective skills. So, if that sort of thing is something you want to avoid, avoid our predictions post, but one prediction I do have is that like I think that'll be the only elimination next week, right? Yeah, I think so, which is what my uh earlier points about, you know, Peter and Alicia, that's why it's going to matter because I think after this evacuation, next week's going to be a swap. Yep, and they'll still be there, and that could spell doom to the people who... Well, assuming that one of them isn't the evacuee. Look at that, covering the bases. Exactly, yeah. Obviously, that could be that, and everyone's like, hey, it's a freebie. Or, you know, obviously, they could be just as marginalized within the swap, but gotta figure one of those won't be, and I think that might be the story that might play out, which is why, you know, I was against the half measure of taking out Peter's, you know, right hand. That's why I've been against the idea of just letting Alicia hang around. You know, if you're going to ostracize somebody, go the whole way. Uh, so, yeah, I do think because what we got out of the preview is this seems to be something that happens at a challenge. We haven't been getting reward challenges, which makes sense. With three tribes, I just don't think there's time for both of those things to happen. Nope. You just And that also gives an incentive for first over second is better reward. Uh, so I don't think there'd be time to 
you know, do what might be one of the more dramatic medical evacuations of all time. And then it's like, all right, now let's go to tribal council. Yeah. And, uh, I'm a little hesitant about this hyperbolic claim that it was going to be one of the most dramatic ones of all time because Scoopin and then Russell Swan, those were pretty dramatic. Right. So well, imagine if this is worse, right? <laughs> right. Um, so to that end on our predictions post and poll, uh, for on the website, uh, it's just pick one person, people. Uh, you don't get to pick one per tribe because, uh, that, the reason why we do that is to protect against the randomness of challenges. And I don't think challenges will matter next week. Nope. All right. So, uh, with that, let's, uh, talk about all the places they can uh, visit us and do things. Yeah. You can find that prediction post we're talking about on purplerockpodcast.com. You can also find our live blog there every week. You can find our predictions posts, as we just mentioned, our fantasy leagues. Um, Jeff Probst has been kind enough to stop by and write an exclusive blog post for us the, each week. You can find those there. And every once in a while, our good friend Emma writes some content based on that week's episode. But more than that, it is time for us to reveal the big March surprise that we've been teasing out periodically over the past few weeks. I hope you're sitting down. Uh, yeah, so as most, uh, many of you have figured out, it is time once again for a survivor bracket. Uh, l- this time last year, we did the ultimate survivor bracket where you got to choose your favorite survivor. We pinned, uh, pitted the 64 top characters according to our opinion and, uh, it matches up just like the NCAA tournament until we got a winner. Uh, this time around, uh, and we will hopefully be launching this next week. We have decided to set out and discover which is the greatest tribal council of all time. Yeah, and I'm really excited for the amount of work that we're going to spend creating this. Yeah, apparently it's a lot harder to just kind of pick out tribal councils than it is names. <laughs> People. Right. Uh, so we've already been working on it, uh, you know, since before the season started. And yeah, it should be exciting. And the reason why we decided to do this is, um, we had some pretty exciting tribal councils last season, including possibly the best in the, that, uh, wacky tribal, uh, final six one. Yes. So everybody was like, where does this rank? Where does this rank? And we decided, you know what? Um, let's find out as scientifically as we can. So we're going to let you guys decide not necessarily where it ranks, but if it wins. Yeah, so you'll see those posts go up. We'll tweet about it too, and you can find our Twitters at Purple Rock Pod. I'm at Purple Rock John, and Andy is at Purple Rock Andy. Uh, we'll be tweeting out pretty much every time we put up a new bracket for you to vote on. Yeah, and beyond voting, we hope you guys share your opinions. You root for your favorites. Let us know all the many Nicaraguan tribal councils that we missed. Uh, that <laughs> I honestly thought we had one, but no, we had to make sure that couldn't happen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we actually pitched it, and then we intentionally shot it down because no. <laughs> but yes, uh, we we have whittled it down to sixty four. That was not an easy process, and we you know or look forward to your uh, input on that. As long as it's not um, you guys are stupid. Actually, we might look forward to those. The yeah, most. we kind of like those, so it's fine. Uh, those will also be, uh, linked to on our Tumblr page at purplerockpodcast.tumblr.com. If you have any, uh, further comments for us that fit, that don't fit within 140 characters or you don't want to share in our comment section, you can email us at purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. That's correct. 
Anything else? Let's send it home with some theme music. That's what it's like when a woman wants a baby.